Why not? This question guides this episode and it guides today's guest. Hi everyone, Coach D here and welcome to The Standing O, where we share stories and have conversations to help you win your confidence. Today's episode is a fun one. I have some pretty rock star friends and I love when I get the chance to interview them. When we first met, my guest today was my athletic trainer at Iowa State University. She would massage my hamstrings and tape my arches and most importantly, listen to my every ache and pain. Erin Gerlich earned her bachelor's from Iowa State and her master's from Oklahoma State University, where she worked as an athletic trainer and the director of operations for the university. Moving back to her hometown in 2013, Erin served as the athletic director for her alma mater until 2021, where, as you can imagine, she was just a handful of women athletic directors in the state of Iowa. In its 54 years of existence, Erin became the first president of the Iowa Athletic Directors Association Executive Board. These days, Erin is the associate director for the Iowa Girls High School Athletic Union, where she not only wears a lot of pink, but she wears a lot of hats within that organization, serving athletes, coaches, and schools. And what I really wanted to talk to her about today was bringing girls wrestling to the state of Iowa. The 2022 season was the first year of sanctioned girls wrestling, and it caught on like wildfire. When we think of sports, we often picture the girl on the field or the coach on the sideline, but there are so many opportunities to promote sport, to live sport, and to lead in sport. And Erin is living proof. The path doesn't always need to be painted, and it doesn't even need to be straight. Why not try? Enjoy this conversation with my friend, Erin. Well, hi, Erin. Thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I already told everybody about how you're just like my person and all of the spheres of my athletic life from college onward, you've been in some realm of it and your journey to where you are now has been pretty unique and pretty amazing at the same time. Yeah, I would say it's, it's pretty non-traditional. Um, my path has been, um, that used to kind of bother me. Um, but I think it's, I've embraced, um, how unique it's been and just my, my different experiences. So I've yeah, really learned to use that to my benefit, I think at this point. So, but yeah, it's been fun to be connected to you for all these years now. <laughs> You're like my ultimate hype girl. Like I, I heard it, I heard at some point that you become an expert in the thing that you need the most. And so like, here I am, I go talk about confidence. I have a podcast about confidence and like, I always reach out to you and you're like, Erica, do it. Erica, you'll be fine. And I'm always like, so it's funny that you give me what I need, but that I'll like, you know, Share well, her. no. And I think, you know, and that's where, you know, like my sisters come into play the same way of like, um, because it, it's, it's so easy for you to see in other people. Right. And I, and I get that too, of like the, of, of how confident other people should be and how empowered other people should be. And, 
and this and that. And then some, but you know, I do think I've learned too, it is really important to continue to, I can project that to other people because I truly believe it for them, but I also need people to swoop in and do that for me, right? Like, yeah, even this morning when my girlfriend's called me and it's, she's just like, okay, I'm gonna hype you up today. And it's like, yes. So yeah, people just, they know you need that too. So yes, it's good. It's good. Okay. Well, I always like to start like way back at the beginning, because like, I think when we have a bio and we have all these, whatever, like people just look at that, but being a girl in sports and I just, I always am curious as like how it started. Like when you think back to like your core memories as a little girl, as little Aaron running around, like what were the things that brought you joy? What were the things that you were doing when you were a little girl? Yeah. So, um, you know, my parents, we, we grew up in, you know, small town Panora. Um, and, um, so we were, I remember going to a lot of the basketball games and track meets and things like that going, growing up, we weren't necessarily watching, you know, we didn't have like someone we were related to had some babysitters and things like that, but my parents were just, um, really big sports fans. So that just felt like kind of what we did in small town, Iowa. So I remember, um, just growing up around all of that. And those, those girls really kind of being my idols and people that I was like, Oh, there's, they're, you know, just seemed so grown up and like they all had it all together. And that was just really cool to, to grow up watching. And then, you know, my parents, um, we didn't, didn't really have like a whole lot of youth sports and stuff, obviously like we do now, but you know, when we got into maybe fourth, fifth grade, um, they would kind of, they, they would coach tournament teams and, um, kind of do those, you know, just fundamental type stuff. Um, and, uh, so we, we were always kind of dabbling in those things. They were always kind of looking for some of those opportunities. Like I was just joking with somebody the other day of, um, when my parents signed me up to do, um, uh, junior Olympics track and field. Right. And so like, I wasn't, I wasn't like Speedy Gonzalez or anything, but you know, it was a little, I, I showed interest in athletics. Right. So, um, but I ended up making it all the way when I was in fifth grade, ended up all, making it all the way. My, my best friend and I to Baton Rouge, Louisiana for nationals in the race walk. <laughs> and it's the funniest story. Obviously we don't have time to go into all of it, but I said, that's like the best party trick of like, guess what I want to the junior Olympics and cause nobody can guess it. But, um, you know, so it was just kind of like trying new things, whatever it is, and having fun with it, because it just always really felt like play, right? I look back on it, it didn't feel like pressure, there wasn't stress. Um, you know, we had a basketball hoop out in the driveway, and it was, you know, playing, you know, pig or horse with my sisters. And my my mom was like, she would beat us all, all the time. She was a great basketball player for Waukee when Waukee was small back in the day. But that's really, I think where it started was just, we were, we were kids that were always out on our bikes and, you know, just, just doing a lot of run around building forts. So there's, if the weather was nice, we were outside all the time. Um, and that was always just fun. Fun. I can totally say it. So you have sisters, were you always in charge of everybody or how did it fall? I think it kind of, I think it kind of, we, we took turns, right. My older sisters actually very, uh, so I'm, I'm middle child. Um, my older sister was probably more of the bossy one. She, she probably still is a little bit or more, I would say more particular. Um, my younger sister, um, who is now probably the most responsible one. Um, she's an elementary teacher or elementary principal now. So that, you know, you can see where that is. Um, so she, um, was just more so like 
the tag along, right? Um, until she got older, then she probably took a little more charge. And I think I was pretty just go with the flow, mediator, uh, comic relief type of stuff always growing up. It was just kind of like I was the, the jokester and got along with everybody. And yeah, we, you know, we, we all played pretty well together. And then, you know, when you get up into junior high and high school, everybody gets more attitudes and stuff like that. But looking back, um, my, I was, I was kind of the mediator of my sisters. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wasn't, you know, quick to anger, but yeah, when I did, when I, when my, that, te that temper, um, went up, then everybody washed out. Cause it was, yeah, a little bit of a firecracker there. Probably still am. <laughs> That's great. Uh, that's all right. You can still be a firecracker, Aaron. Yeah, but we are. There's there's somebody too. There's on there's somebody online um, who does. I don't know if it's like reels or TikTok video or whatever, but it, but it's a guy and he does like the birth order, of, like the the different versions of like three three brothers who are in birth order, and it could not be more correct in terms of what my family is like. The the middle kids just like the, the ADHD, cause I am, um, um, ADHD jokester of just like, you know, and finding the good and everything. And then the older ones that the bossy concerned one. And then the younger one is like the, yeah, I'm not doing that today type of person. You know what I mean? Just funny, just funny. So That's yeah. Cute. Yeah. Would you have considered yourself always a free spirit or did you kind of have oh. a plan for your life? Um, I would say I was, I, I think that, and actually my aunt, she was my godmother. She passed away um, actually when I got to Iowa State, but she, I remember her calling me a free spirit um, and just thinking, like feeling like that was awesome, probably because it came from her um, when at a, at a young age. And I think it was more so because I really kind of felt like I could do anything. You know what I mean? Like I just, I just, um, I think I was pretty well-rounded from an early age that I always remember thinking instead of like, why would I do this? I'm like, why couldn't I do this? Why not? Why not? Why not? So I've always been the person when, when people say, you know, know your why it's like, for me, it's like, well, know your why not. So that's um, how I've just kind of operated of, yeah, I can do this. I could do this. I could do this. It's just where I want to, you know, channel my energy or, or feel that tug of, of being passionate about something, then I'll kind of look that direction and go that way. But um I didn't necessarily have a path and really coming from, she, she was a, a nurse. And so I, I thought about getting into nursing um, a little bit when I was in high school or, or um, becoming a, a doctor. And then kind of was, that's kind of when sports medicine stuff was taking on a little bit is, or when I was first introduced to it, we didn't have an athletic trainer um, at Panorama. And so um, when I got to Iowa state was when I had first kind of learned about an athletic training program. So after my first year at Iowa state, I was like, okay, that's, that's kind of what I want to do. Um, and getting into that area, but just, uh, you know, I never really pigeonholed myself because I just knew I could, I could probably feel like I could do a lot of things or I just had a lot of interests. So I didn't ever want to feel like I had to shut the door on things, but like, let's just keep opening more doors and see what works now, I think is, is kind of how I operated. Probably still how I operate. Probably. I like that. I still see that in you. Yeah. 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 Why not? Right. Why not? So before we dig into, cause I want to, I'm circling back to this, know your why not, because I think it yeah. fits what you just 
accomplished, but yeah. can you share like, um, what your current role is and like all of the shoes and yeah. things and hats you do for that? Yeah. So, um, so I, yes, so I am an associate director for the girls athletic union. So really my main responsibilities are a sport administrator for the sports of wrestling and for tennis. Um, and then I work with our student leadership group and just do some other outside special programming. Um, I'm also kind of in charge of some sports medicine initiatives. So, but you know, really my main focus this past year and a half has been with girls wrestling. Um, I got hired in September of 2021, I believe. Yep. And, um, pretty much that was the day that we started working towards wrestling. And so, um, I knew, you know, when Jean brought me on, um, that, that was going to be like, she'd kind of dubbed me as the person who was going to do that, or at least oversee that process whenever it was that we decided we wanted to sanction it. Because really when, when I came on board, there was still a question of if, it, if it's going to happen this year or next year or the year after type of thing. Um, and so, really because I just didn't know what else to do within my job at that point. Um, I sat down and really got to work on that because it was like, okay, this is where I am. I, I got the direction to do this and to go down. And, and I was obviously really, really passionate about it. So again, with my slightly manic ADHD brain, when I find something that I'm passionate about, then it's like, boom, like down that rabbit hole blinders are, are on and I'm 110% full throttle there. Um, so, and, and really, and again, my boss, Jean, just really kind of gave me the green light to do that. And she's like, you know, we can, I worked on a few other things, but she's like, you know, let, let's, if you think that there's, you know, if you've got the traction to get this done, then let's do that. And so when she kind of gave me the green light, I was like, yep, let's go, buddy, we're in. So it happened really quickly after that. And probably again, just because like my brain was operating that fast. Right. And I, and again, then I just, I could network, right. Cause I, I had a lot of um, wrestling connections already. So I, I kind of knew who to reach out to and who to connect with. And once I made those strong connections and they kind of learned about me and what we were trying to do, it was like game on, let's go. So it was just this whole like snowplow movement of like, I just was the driver and I had these, all these people that were the blades that were just kind of pushing it. So um, yeah. So that, that was kind of my, my big project there. Um, so that's, yeah. So now I'm like, <laughs> after that year one, now I'm like, oh, yep. Now we got to get into tennis and get into some other things here that need a little bit more of my time and energy. But um, yeah, it's, it's obviously been a huge passion project for me. So that's, that's been great for sure. I mean, you just, you know, your why not, like why not girls wrestling? Like what have what have been some of the hurdles and getting something that did not exist. And, you know, it obviously girls rest, girls have been wrestling in different areas, but not as a sanctioned high school sport in the state of Iowa. I don't know how many other States have it. I think Iowa's pretty rare in that, but like, um, yeah, there were, you know, it's interesting though, looking, looking at what, what it means to be sanctioned and not other States do it in different ways. And so, you know, we, we were kind of getting the state of Iowa was kind of getting a bad rap because it's like, we were technically the 34th state to sanction wrestling, which would surprise a lot of people because Iowa is like so much wrestling. However, in looking at a lot of these other States and how they are quote unquote sanctioning things, it's like they just have a girl state tournament at the end of it. A lot of it is 
they their their season still looks like maybe it's 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 mixed gender and you know or or they have options or this or that it's some of it is not a defined boys or girls yet so it's just that they offer a sanctioned state tournament at the end of it so that is something that I kind of learned down the road that I was like oh wait 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 like we're you know in our sanctioning we're completely creating this whole other sport and this whole other side of this and um you know in addition to all of the postseason that goes into that as well um but i think my one of my biggest things was trying to figure out you know the, the world of wrestling is complicated and it's probably this way in in any sport or activity that's not sanctioned yet um in that you have all of these people who are advocating um and that's and just in the different realms of, you know, um, the, the club sports or maybe from a collegiate level or wh whoever that is, right? Um, your your coaches' memberships, things like that. Um, so trying to figure out who um, has the best interest of the sport at hand, who you can, you know, have tag along with you to, to help with the process or who is going to potentially hinder the process by trying to take it over. And so there was a lot of that. Um, it probably in the first month or so of trying to figure out, you know, who, who were really going to be able to be my allies in this. Um, and then, you know, partnering with the Iowa wrestling coaches and officials, officials association was, was pretty easy for me to do just because um, we knew that, um, you know, they serve member schools just like we do. So um, it wasn't directed towards, you know, the, nothing bad about, you know, towards clubs or whatever. It's just not who we serve. So really aligning with the people who serve our schools and our coaches, that is what I think created a lot of momentum because then they could help us um, channel that message. And, um, you know, if they're a trusted group and then they trust us, then that's something then we've just got a leg up on that and it helped kind of streamline that process. And then just getting, you know, information out about kind of like what we were doing and the steps we needed to take. Uh, there was so much misinformation circulating around because people were just assuming things or inserting their own thoughts um, or suggestions. So really kind of having to come in with a little bit of a hammer and was like enough, stop. This is not what we're doing. This is what we're doing. Um, and allowing them to kind of see our process, I think, um, was was pretty big. Um, so that was, you know, I, th I think probably looking back on it, that those were kind of the the hiccups or the obstacles on the front end, where, um, you know, again, just trying to figure out who who we could trust, but then who also could trust us as well, and trying to be um, trying to get the vote of confidence from people who are like this. The, what are they doing right like this is a that they're not tied to an organization that has done this for a hundred years right it's like what do they know about wrestling and she didn't wrestle what does she know about wrestling and you know what i mean just a little bit of that and so um yeah i think we had a lot to prove as an organization um in how we rolled that out so i really wanted to be thoughtful and diligent in how we did that what do you see as people's like anytime someone tries to do something new or something that hasn't really been done before, or even someone that takes on a new position, like what do you see as the biggest obstacles in people wanting change? Yeah, I, I think I've really, one of the things that I didn't, I didn't, I like, I'm somebody who's very comfortable and flexible with change. Like if I'm not changing 
um, if I'm like sitting still too long or doing the same, I don't want to say doing the same thing, but if I'm not constantly being challenged or moving and bending and flexing, then that doesn't bode well for me. So I have to, I, but I had to also um, be of the understanding that that is not necessarily typical or that is not how a lot of other people operate. So kind of understanding, um, you know, every, every room that I walked into, I had to really make sure that I understood who was in the room and what their, what their roles were, who I was speaking to, um, you know, were, are they a group that's been about a lot of history and tradition or are they a group that's been about a lot of change? You know what I mean? And just trying to, um, really be, mindful about how I, how I brought forth conversations and ideas, whether I needed to, you know, pump the brakes a little bit or prime a little bit, um, or if I could just let's roll and this is how we want to do it. So I, I think being mindful of that is, it's like that, um, you know, it's the emotional intelligence piece that, you know, I think as a female to, we oftentimes possess this a little bit more and we don't even realize that it's a skill or a skill set, right? To be able to have this. Um, it's just something that sometimes we get dubbed with is like, oh, you know, do your, your female thing, your, your Jedi female thing. Um, so I, I think, um, you know, just operating that way, I think really helped me in the process. And then again, it, it's the ability to go in kind of without ego. I mean, you can have agenda and you can have this and that, but, but you just have to really drop the ego. Um, and it's not that I'm, I'm, I think I'm a very bold person when it comes to being in meetings. Um, but it, it's the knowing when to kind of give and take and knowing when to, um, you know, but, but I, I think a biggest part, just dropping the ego when you walk in the room. And so that really disarms people so that they can feel comfortable in, in the conversation. They can feel comfortable with you and understanding what you're about and what your organization is about. So we had to do a lot of education that way. And then once they became comfortable, I think with the thought process and who we were, then it was like, okay, then we're, then they're good. Like they might not completely understand what, what they're doing, but they at least then goes back to trusting us and having that relationship. I like a lot of those distinctions you made about like knowing who's in the room and how they can hold on to certain, because you're right. Some people do really hold on to tradition mm -hmm. while there are others that are really value innovation and creativity and there's space for both. But I like how that self-awareness of knowing who you're speaking with and what mm -hmm. you need to bring to the conversation. Yeah. It's like, you can't always just, you know, I'm, I'm a fiery person, but I can't always like bring that, you know, bring the heat all the time. I have to kind of, you know, um, yeah, I have to ease into some things probably a little bit more than I would like to, but if the end result is to, um, you know, is that, is that we get progress or we get, you know, productivity from it, then it's always worth me slowing down a little bit and like, again, just understanding how other people operate is really big. I mean, I love what you do in the sense of like, as a female athlete, sometimes I think people can think the only leaders for a female athlete or the only role models for them are professional athletes or people who were an athlete at one point, like, you know, maybe they're a retired athlete or something or a coach. And I think that what you are doing and what a lot of your colleagues at the girls union do is that you see like, there's a lot of different roles in leadership in sports for, for female athletes. And I think like all of that you're doing is 
really special. Cause I know I, I didn't, I didn't look to people like you. I didn't know yeah. that that job, that chair, that seat, that office existed. And I think that's right. Well, and I think that that's, you know, a, a big part of what we also try to do is not only do we try to like govern, um, you know, be athletic governing bodies, but then also, you know, um, giving girls platforms to show them the different avenues. Right. And so for me, um, yeah, I'm an Iowa girl and I was in, in sports and I was in speech and I was in, you know, music and all of these things. Um, but I was, I was just like very middle of the road. Right. And I didn't have to, I didn't have to be great. Um, I, you know, and I had to, you know, I, again, I had just a unique look at things. Um, so I feel like I was doing a lot of observing and not even completely understanding where, where things would take me. You know, if you would have asked me 15 years ago, you know, where I would have been, I would have said probably an athletic trainer. I was an athletic trainer somewhere, right? Like I, I worked for a, a great D1 women's program at Oklahoma state. And I loved that. But then it was just like, there's just this shift inside of me. I think that happens where it's like, okay, now what, else? you know, a little bit of like, what else? And it, I, I truly don't think it's like a grass is always greener perspective. It's just like, okay, I'm getting comfortable with this. I, I, I need to continue to grow. How, where do I go now? You know, or what else can I do? Um, and so I've just really allowed that, that kind of shift to, I, I think I've learned to trust that my, my intuition, right. When it does things like that, that it's like, okay, it's giving me permission to move on to something else and to move on to something. It, it's not even bigger, but just moving on to something where I can be of more service or I can kind of rise to the challenge of this next thing. And, and, but truly I didn't, I didn't even understand that this existed until I got into the world of collegiate athletics through athletic training, where I saw the different avenues. Um, but I think that that's something we've talked about a lot within the girls union is, okay, if we want females to step up and be able to fill these roles and be in these leadership positions, like they don't even understand what those are and they don't even understand what those avenues are or where there's things that are important there. So we've had a larger conversation of, you know, being able to bring in people, you know, whether that's, um, you know, sports marketing or whether that is sport media and partnering with our CISN people and, you know, doing just more educational pieces to allow them to see where these things are. So they don't have to just like stumble into them by chance and then try to, grow into something there, um, but that they can be maybe more intentional through their high school years or even in college or, or shortly after where it's like they can gear themselves towards some of these things that will, you know, that they, then they don't feel like they're behind the ball because I hear so many people say, even my age, um, older, younger, but like, oh, I wish I would have known that those things existed because I would have loved to do that. Um, and not that it's ever too late, but you know what I mean? Of just like, okay, I just, maybe I just paid for four years of school and to try to make me go back and do that again, you know, is going to be hard. So I think that that's one of the things that we're looking at doing down the road is kind of more of a programming piece so that maybe, you know, high school age girls understand all the different opportunities that, that could be available. So. I love that. I love that. Call me. Yeah, no, I, I, 100%. You're already on the list. You're already on the oh, list. I love it. I think that's so valuable because I have 
coached a lot of girls and they love sports, but they don't, they are like, I'm not going to be a pro. I don't really want to coach. So maybe I'll just, you know, give up part of me that I love so much because this is a clear path and that's hard. So I like that we're having the conversation to know that there's, there's more, like you can still be you and just apply it in this avenue, this area. For sure. You work, you're like, part of what you do is you're, you have a student um, advisory committee, uh, these current high school athletes. So what, so two parts of this question, what is some leadership skills that they lack or that you see a need for? And then what would you say is the number one um, leadership trait that that's transferable that from being the athlete onward. Yeah. So, um, I would say, you know, the, the things that we're trying to grow them in, right. Um, is obviously their confidence and then they're just there. And I've said this before, and I don't know if you and I have had that conversation. I feel like I've had this conversation a couple different times. It's like, it, it feels like a lot of times. Um, and I don't know if this is specific to, to females or just, um, high school athletes, but like, they're looking for permission. Like maybe they feel that within themselves of like, man, I could really see myself doing this, or I could really, I really want to do this. Or I I feel this kind of fire towards this. And it's like, it's, it's having them be, be seen and being like, you, you could do that. Like, why don't you do that? And you'd be great for this. And you'd be, you know what I mean? Like, again, it just kind of acknowledging um, whatever it is that you see in them and what they're kind of feeling a little bit just like turns on this light then for them of like, okay, I've been given a green light. And now I like to, to watch the girls who have even just started at the beginning of this year. And we've only met with them a few times, but again, it's just like that whole giving them permission piece to be seen and it, Hey, it's a, it's okay to ha- be in a leadership role and not have it all figured out. And it, um, I, and I just made mention of this, um, in my speech, um, at the, at the AD convention the other day of like, I, it, I have nothing against, um, the pillars of character and character counts and these types of things. Cause I think, um, you know, when you're teaching those things growing up, it's important for people to be able to understand those disciplines and whatnot. But like, there's so much more to leadership than integrity. And there's so much more to leadership, you know, than I, I don't even know what they all are. Right. Um, but it's like, I think somehow some way that those things maybe have boxed some people in to feel like they have to look like this or this or this to be able to be a leader. Um, or if they're lacking in this area and I'm like, yeah, nobody, like nobody was ever going to give me the character counts award. Like I got a good conduct violation. I think I got two of them, right? Like it, it, it but it didn't mean that I couldn't still serve and, and be a good person and be a good leader and have fire for things. It's just, so I think people get tricked into thinking it has to be a certain thing. Um, And if they don't have it, they won't have it or they shouldn't be able to do it. So I think first and foremost, giving them permission and like um, and then they just grow so fast and then they just feel it. And then being around some like minded people who they see are like them in their own capacities at different schools. And it's like, oh, yeah. And then they brainstorm and they just they it's this whole process that happens. They're on these like group messages and they're fantastic. Right. And so I love um, what that unlocks for them. And it, and then they just run with it and you don't even have to guide it that much anymore. You just, you, you just kind of sit back and watch it happen and they have a million ideas and it's, 
the process is so great. Um, I think to answer the second part of your question is, you know, what's maybe the most transferable thing from being, you know, having some success in, you know, high school or your younger years and, um, and then how that, how that goes and grows um, into maybe some success in the adult life and in that realm. And I've had to think a lot about this because it's like, oh, you know, is it communication or is it, the, you know, this or that or whatever? And I'm like, honestly, I, I think the thing that, that I have and that I see a lot of other people have um, is, is grit, right? Is just the ability to like hone in and work hard and get something done. And then, and, you know, whether that is, um, you know, like as an athletic trainer, I'm like scrubbing coolers or I'm, you know, like whatever that is, right. Um, you know, that those things are part of the process. So it's like, okay, this isn't fun, but this is going to grow me and and I'm bought in. Right. And, and grit allows you to buy in even when it's not glamorous. Right. Um, and then you just kind of stay gritty in terms of, um, finding the balance between being a professional and being an advocate and understanding your voice and when to use it and understanding when you're better served, kind of just sitting back a little bit, which um, is like never for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little outspoken. Um, but I, I think then just, um, you know, th that the grit, it doesn't, it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you started with. It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. Um, if you're a minority, it doesn't matter if you're low socioeconomic status. It doesn't like when you possess that, then you, you, it's like, you just find your way out. You find your way up and you find your way out and you keep going. And it's, a, it's kind of that internal motivation um, that continues to lead you and you trust yourself, right? You might not always have a plan, but at the end of the day, you trust yourself. And I think that that having to look back at all of that and trying to put a word around it, it's just, it's just gritty. It's, it's just gritty. And that doesn't always look glamorous, um, but it, but it also can. So, um, yeah, like sometimes I just like to dress up my, my gritty and, in pink and in shimmery things. And that makes grit a little more fun. <laughs> I love it. Make it make your own way. I love it. Why not? Yeah. Why, yeah, not? why not? Why not? Why not? All right. Well, before my final question, yep. I want to just acknowledge you first. Thank you for being my friend, for being my cheerleader. Well, that's easy though. <laughs> I mean, we've come a long way, Erin, from you, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> taping my ankles or whatever, you know, fixing all my broken parts and lots of stretching. I think, I think I did a lot of massages. probably yeah. mental stretching. Sure. But just the way that you continue to follow your heart and follow your passion and make ways, not just for you, but you're making ways for other people. And that's, what's, that's a legacy and that's everlasting. And you, you should be proud. Thank you. I, 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 um, it, it's really easy for me to be proud of the organization that I work for. I'm proud of what we do. And so it does, it feels good to know that like I, that I've got like one hand in the huddle, right. Or both hands in the huddle of like, yes, we're in, we're, we're doing this. And so when you work with people and for an organization like this, it's, um, yeah, you, you get to do a lot more at this kind of rapid rate 
and it feels it feels very rewarding. I mean, that there's there's obviously like a lot of pressure and a lot of stress that comes with it, but um, always always totally worth it. And and we know that it always will be worth it, right? So it's not hard for us to to make big jumps and leaps and bounds and stuff. But yeah, and then you meet a lot of wonderful people along the way who you know are going to continue to impact your journey five, 10, 20 years down the road, right? So it's, it's you just get to extend your family all the time, which is great. Okay, well, this is called the Standing O Podcast. Mm-hmm. And really the idea is that we, as athletes, you know, that big moment is the standing ovation. Like if something amazing happens, right? Everybody in the crowd stands and cheers for you. For me and my athletic journey, I have A1 never received a standing ovation because I was always runner up. Um, (laughs) but I have learned that it's not, it's, it does no justice to wait for somebody to stand and give you the elevation. You have to learn here and give it to you, give it yourself. Yeah. So I'm asking you, it can be a big thing. It can be a little thing. It can have to do with your work or your personal life or whatever, but Aaron, what is your standing O moment? Um, I think this. Oh, okay. Can I have two? One, one is, one is a big moment, right? One is, um, this past year at, at our girl state wrestling finals. Um, and, um, and our super regional, even before that, I would say like my, my, the big standing O was, was probably that, that whole postseason where we did a big super regional and, and that, and, and just, um, it was the first time in, in the sport of wrestling. Cause I, you know, I'd been to a ton of wrestling stuff this l- last year and this year, um, just specifically watching girls and, you know, but it was like kind of me in the doorway with my hat on, just kind of watching and observing. Um, and you know, I, I, I talk with the girls and this and that, but like most didn't know who I was and that was totally fine. I was, that was good. Right. Like that, that, my job wasn't to be seen there. Um, but I think when I was, um, at, the super regional in Sioux city. And there's a lovely, a lovely girl from West Lyon. She had just, she had won. I think I can't remember if it was an overtime match or not, but she had wrestled like seven times that day. It was crazy. She's, and and she's just the best kid. Um, but she came up to me and, um, I hadn't had conversation with this athlete before she came up to me and gave me a big hug and was just like, Hey, I just need you to know something. She's like, you know, she's very complimentary of, of the day and how things went. And she just was so encouraged by the experience. And she's just like, I just need you to know, like, I see you, I see you hustling. I see you hustling, you know? And it kind of was this, like this th- funny thing. Cause I am like a, like you have to lasso me. Right. If you want to talk to me and when I'm in a, at an event, um, but she's just like, I, we see you, we see you hustling. So don't, don't stop hustling for us. Cause we see you hustling. And I was like, Ooh! like, it was, it was just a, a, a combination of a lot of things. And so for me, that was like, where I felt like, okay, we, we just did that. Like we just did that. And that was really big. Um, and then of, of course the state tournament was, was huge after that too. And just all the, I mean, literally the, the smoke and all the lights and all the things going on and just watching these girls just freaking come to life on the mat was, was amazing and getting a front row seat for that. So that would be like the extended standing O. Um, but there, I, I want to talk really quick about 
this this moment and it was just I just happened to see it and I and I told the Central Lion um, girls basketball coach this that they have a phenomenal athlete um, her name's Addison um, on their basketball team and they were getting they had such a great tournament and she had a phenomenal tournament and um, they were they were getting beat um, in in the final game and you know it was um, she had to go over and it was very evident that they were not going to win. Um, and there's about two minutes left and her point guard is just trying to keep it together because she's having to foul a bunch and she's just, you can just see she's on the brink of tears and this and that. And like, she goes over and she just like takes a second and grabs her, grabs her hands and looks her point guard in the eyes and was like, we've got it, we've got this. And then she literally puts her hand on her chin and, and lifts her chin up and looks at her in the eyes and just says, we've got it. We're good. We're good. You know what I mean? Just like here they are getting their butts beat and she's a senior and all of these things are unraveling around her. And like, she has the composure and that leadership skill set to be there and like keeping people together, you know? And I'm like, oh my gosh, coaches would just give their left arm for some, something like that. Right. Um, but that to me was was a standing O for her, right? But but also for our organization of like, and that's why we do this. That is why we do this. Um, because it doesn't matter, you know, like championships are great, trophies are great, but like that type of, just that mentality. And I'm like, she's gonna be able to go do whatever she wants to do in life. She, like, she's got it, right? And to rec to see some of those, those girls that just have that it factor is like, that's a standing O every time of like, and I'm just, it's just like, I feel really, really, um, I just, I, I feel really lucky that I got to see that because I don't know that anybody else was really paying attention to that. And I was just so honed in on that for a specific reason. And, and, and I've used that scenario probably 10 different times at this point. Um, of just, yeah, being able to kind of relate that back of like keeping it together and picking yourself up. So Chin up, right? Chin up, Erin. I love it. That's thank you. For that. That's a really great visual. How cool! Yeah, yeah cool. it was really it was a powerful moment for me, and and I I hope other people got to see it. But it was like, man, this is this is what it's about. It's what it's about. It's what it's about. It's what it what it's what lasts, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yes. Well, thank you, Erin. I enjoyed talking to you. You're amazing. Well, I appreciate you too, and I appreciate all you do. Um, you have done a ton of good work for a really long time and, um, yeah, it's fun to be able to, to share our story and our story as a, as a you and me, but then our, our stories, you know, as, as individuals and, but, you know, we have a million connections between us too. So it's fun to just be able to lift those things up, um, as well. So we'll have so many more memories too. <laughs> for us. Yay. Yay for everyone. All right. Thanks, Aaron. You're amazing. Uh, Thanks, Erica. We'll see ya. Her standing out moment gave me goosebumps. Chins up, ladies. Erin's story, not just her path through leadership, but even bringing a sport to an entire state. It is proof that we all can lead, that there is space for all of us. And most importantly, when we share our passion or we share our fire, as Aaron says, so many others get to catch on. Thank you for tuning in to the Standing O and for sharing 
our empowering episodes with your teammates, colleagues, and even your daughters. Until next time, I'm Coach D, and I'm cheering you on. Mm-hmm.